Um, going into our message, the, our message is entitled today, Deserving of What? Deserving of What? Contests are great, whether it's a football game, volleyball game, basketball game. You know, we just love to watch those games, uh, you know, to see who's going to win the game and uh, who's deserving of win, winning the, the game. People who usually practice hard and work hard at it, they usually end up to be the winners. I say usually because every once in a while you get somebody that just has a lucky day, you know. They win, and that's kind of the beauty of games, isn't it? Because every once in a while you get somebody that wins that really didn't deserve to win. Isn't it interesting to watch people's reactions? You know, if it's a championship game, man, they're wearing their emotions on their sleeve. And if they win, man, they jump up and down. You've seen it in basketball games and football games. And if they lose, uh, they're totally devastated. Judy and I love to watch uh, America's Got Talent. People wear their emotions on their sleeves during uh, these uh, shows. And uh, the judges, they'll give a yes vote, and that contestant is like, yeah, yeah, they're all happy, and they're very grateful to the judges for giving a yes. Of course, sometimes the judge will give them a no. And uh, it's amazing how they just forget they're in front of millions of viewers and they get really nasty at the judges and they argue with them and they say, I deserve to win. (laughs) And they make total fools of themselves. Um, This brings to mind a really good question. What do we really deserve? As human, human beings... What do we deserve? Today, we live in a world of civil liberties uh, where they're not only expected, but a lot of times these liberties are demanded. And people cry social injustice if they don't receive what they feel they deserve. Uh, The media just helps to feed this philosophy. And more and more we see that our freedom uh, is considered not only a a right, but a, a privilege. For the answers to questions like this, what do we deserve? We need to go to the Bible. And what does the Bible say we deserve? In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Every one of us, without exception, deserves death for who we are and what we've done. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? But what we deserve is not what I want us to concentrate on that on today because that would get really depressing really fast and you would probably be crying by the end of the message. So let's just, uh, talk about something much more positive, and that is what God deserves from us. What does God deserve? Well, I've got six different categories for us to consider this morning and a lot of Scripture And the first being, what does God deserve from us? And that would be our fear. In Proverbs 1.7, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So if we want a firm foundation on what God deserves, then we need to fear him. 
However, it, it seems that it's normal for us as human beings that we, we don't actually fear something until we've actually verified that it's a hazard, you know? Uh, experience gives us knowledge, right? Once burned, twice shy. And um, we, a lot of times, just don't fear something until we actually visually see it or um, actually experience it. Like when you were little, you know, your mom would say, don't touch that hot stove or don't do this or don't stick your tongue to a flagpole. But, you know, you just got to try it. So do we really fear God? Or do we say to ourselves, I've never seen God. I've never seen God do something tremendously awesome that deserves my fear. So why should I fear him? What can he do to me? Well, remember the story of Job. Job was a very blessed man, and God gave him a great family and great wealth. And then the devil was wandering around, and he went to God, and he said, God, if you take away everything from Job, Job's going to curse you. And so God allows Job to lose his, many of his family and his possessions, but Job does not curse God. He doesn't curse him. However, Job does do a little belly aching, just a little bit. So God responds. If you read the book of Job, God responds to Job in, by asking him a few questions. And I think these questions help us to understand how we should fear God, why we should fear God. So he says to Job, Were you there when the earth was made? Who kept the sea in its boundaries? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Who makes it rain? Who gives the path for the lightning? Can you direct the sequence and the movement of the stars? Can you direct the sequence of the seasons? Who gives the food to the hungry animals and the birds? Who is takes care of all of the, the animals? And who gives the strength to the mighty dinosaurs? Are you as strong as God? I believe with all these questions, God is ultimately asking, are you as powerful as the almighty God, the creator of all? What power does God have over us? What can he do to us? He can do anything he wants to do. He can control us, and he can destroy us if he wants. Jesus also addressed this in, uh, as we read in Matthew 10, 28. He said, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God deserves our fear because he has the power to, to destroy us. And remember, Jesus said that it's not just our bodies, but also our souls. Fear is the foundation to belief in God. Just think of what our world would be like if we didn't have any fear. It would be utter chaos, um, kind of like it is now every once in a while. People would do whatever they wanted to. They would drive as fast as they wanted to. They'd steal whatever they want to. And fear 
brings stability. Fear of God brings stability to our souls. It's okay to have a good, healthy fear of God. It's no different than you as a mom and dad. You want your kids to have a good, healthy fear of that hot stove or of driving too fast in their car. Healthy fear preserves life, doesn't it? Again, fear the one that can destroy both the body and the soul. Fear God. So God deserves our fear, and a good, healthy fear at that. This gives us a solid base, a solid foundation to our belief. And hand in hand with fear goes respect. That's our second thing. God deserves our respect. As we discussed, if you have a true, healthy fear of something, you're going to respect it. But mainly because that's something that it can happen to you. And it's good to respect God knowing what he can do to you. This type of respect is given to God because of his power and his authority. And I think we all can kind of relate to this. From the time we were little, we were told, respect your elders, respect your teacher, you know, respect uh, those in authority over you, and respect the police. I kind of find it interesting how we show respect to the police because when we see the, the lights coming in our car, what do we do? We slam on the brakes. Uh, it's kind of a funny way to show respect. My son Jordan is in the Army, and I was always kind of curious how those guys show respect. So I asked him one time, and he said, you don't have to salute everybody. In fact, it's kind of an insult sometimes if you salute certain people. He said, however, there are some, you, some people you must salute, and you can get in pretty deep trouble if you don't salute a, a higher-ranking official. So I think it's, we all understand that it's important to respect God because of his authority. However, there's a couple other ways to show respect. We can show respect to God for his personhood, for who he is. And we can look in Romans 1, 20 and 21, and it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what does this, this scripture tell us? It says that God the Creator has invisible attributes. However, these invisible attributes are clearly seen and understood. That doesn't really make sense, does it? And yet it does. How can it be? It's possible. Is it possible for something not to be seen and yet clearly seen and understood? I think it is. Well, look, look at the wind. Can't see the wind, can we? But we know that it's powerful, and especially when we have a tornado. We see its devastating power. When we stand back and we look at God's creation, it just screams 
of God's awesomeness and his power. Even though we didn't see him do it, we, we have no idea how he did it. So God deserves our respect for his personhood, for being our creator. This goes beyond, I believe it goes beyond the fear factor and his respect on a higher level. It's respecting God for his amazing awesomeness. But let's dig a little bit deeper into this verse. And um, this verse considers a couple more other aspects of God's personhood. So let's look at Romans 1.20 again. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Eternal power and Godhead. God is eternal. He's not going to die. He's not going to leave us. He is going to be around forever. Being eternal is a critical characteristic of God. God was there at the, at the creation of the world. He was there when you were created. And he will be there forever in the future. He is he always has been, and he forever will be. So God deserves our respect because he is eternal. What about that word Godhead? A lot of times I read a word and it's like Godhead. I've heard that, but I had to look it up. What does Godhead really mean? After some research, I found that out that it means divinity a characteristic uh, or capacity worthy of God. So what are some divine characteristics of God? And I'm sure you know these. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent. He's able to be anywhere and everywhere all at the same time. He's immeasurable. He is holy. He is just. He is truth. He is love. He is life. God is divine. There's only one person who is divine, and that is God. He deserves our respect because of all of these godly characteristics. And let's not forget that he's eternal, so all of these characteristics are going to be forever. So God deserves our respect for all of these wonderful things. He deserves our fear he deserves our respect. What else does God deserve from us? He deserves our honor. What is honor? Well, you give someone or something honor because that person in history has shown and demonstrated some love, some skill, responsibility, compassion, something they've done. When I was subbing at school a while back, uh, walked we watched a documentary on uh, North Korea, and it showed how Kim Jong is a dictator, and he's referred to the people as the supreme leader. I can safely say that he's a ruthless leader. He's cut out any outside influence into North Korea, and the only thing that he allows to be taught and people to understand 
is something that comes from him, the supreme leader, Kim Jong. What I found really shocking was that um, the young people are trained to hate us, hate Americans. And if anyone's caught doing anything other than what Kim Jong feels as, as uh, something they should do, he puts them into concentration camps. This honor given to Kim Jong is not because of something he's demonstrated, you know, a love, a compassion, a skill. It's been taken from the people. And, and many times this honor is given to Kim Jong because of fear. They are fearful of him. However, there's a better example of honor. And I'm thinking of specifically of those who serve in our military. Um, those men and women, um, they deserve our honor. And a lot of times we see that. You go up to them and you shake their hand and you say, thank you for your service to our country. And it means so much to them. These guys have demonstrated their, their love, their skill, their compassion to us as a people of the United States. They deserve our honor. They're good examples of who deserve our honor. Who deserves our highest honor, the, ever, the most honor ever given? It's our Lord and our God. He deserves the highest honor that we can ever give. In the book of Revelation, John gives us a glimpse of what this honor will look like and uh, he des describes what's going to happen around the throne room of God. So he says in Revelation 4.9, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Over and over in the scriptures, we see how we are admonished to give God honor. God deserves our honor for all that he's done for us. What else does God deserve besides our fear, our respect, and our honor? God deserves our gratitude. Remember at the beginning when we looked at what we deserve, Romans 6.23, we looked at only just the beginning. Well, let's look at the whole verse this time. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God deserves our gratitude because he sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from certain death. This salvation is totally free. It is something we, we can't work for. We can't buy it. There is no way to obtain it in any fashion. It's free to us. That's what our lives are about. That's why we're here, to make a choice. Once we've accepted this free gift of God, we need to be thankful. Not just every once in a while, but continually. God needs to hear us say thanks. 
Isn't it interesting how we attempt to train our children to say thank you? I say attempt because sometimes it's hard work. But we're trained to say thank you to those people that give us something. We need to recognize when we're given something to show gratitude. When we pray, we need to thank God for our salvation through Jesus Christ. Eternal life from God should be one of the greatest things we're thankful for. What else do we need to show God gratitude for? Oh, there's a ton of verses. And so here's where I'm going to stretch the guys in the back. We're going to look at Psalms 106.1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. James 1.7. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. First. Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then Psalms 105.1, O give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. It's critical that we, when we pray, we thank God for all that he's done. But we also need to tell others how Good God is. Just think about it. When we're walking down the street and we say, we see somebody and you say, isn't God great? I bet he just loves to hear us say that. As humans, we love to be shown appreciation for what we do. I think God really loves it when we publicly acknowledge him for his goodness. So God deserves our gratitude. God deserves our fear. He deserves our respect. He deserves our honor. He deserves our gratitude. He also deserves our allegiance. When we say our pledge of allegiance to that flag over there, what does it really mean when we pledge allegiance? What does it mean when we give someone or some nation our allegiance? We say it all the time, but do we really understand it? Well, I looked up allegiance, and the word allegiance comes from the word liege, which is an old French word that means lord or master. And you've probably seen it in some movies, my my liege, which was you were swearing allegiance to someone that you were serving. You were a servant to these people back then. If we consider God our, our liege, our Lord, our Master, then we are his servant. Being a servant is totally different than that of being a slave. A slave has no choice, but a servant willingly follows his master. Jesus says in uh, John twelve twenty six, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my, will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here Jesus explains that we must serve him in in God. We must serve God, and then if we do, he's going to honor us. Isn't that great? God deserves our fear. God deserves our respect. God deserves our honor. 
God deserves our gratitude. God deserves our allegiance. And lastly, God deserves our love. Do you remember when um, Jesus was tested by that expert of the law? The expert of the law came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The expert of the law answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love the Lord your God yourself, as yourself. Jesus answered, you've answered correctly. Do this and live. God deserves our love and a love that comes from our heart, our soul, our mind. Just think of all that God has done for us. We look at a beautiful world, the beautiful sun we have today. We look at our family and all the blessings of our family. We look at the church and the blessings that God gives us in our church. Most of all, we think of eternal life. And we can't fathom what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be so great. So God deserves our fear, respect, honor, gratitude, allegiance, and love. And if we do give God what he truly deserves, he will continue to help us in tough times. He will give us the strength to endure. What a blessed hope we have. I'm going to close by reading a few more verses. And I think it really nails it. Psalms 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations.